Today on the podcast, I have the honor of interviewing my dear friend and mentor, Jess DeRose. Jess has been so instrumental in literally everything that I do now. She changed my way of thinking and approaching business and she has this amazing signature program called Empowered that I actually jumped into a little over a year ago now and it is what walked me through step-by-step of how to build a group course. And even if that's something that's not on your radar, you have got to check out her upcoming virtual event called DBE Live. It is completely free and it is so much gold on all of the strategic things behind business. Y'all like she's got a very large background in in education so you know her curriculum is absolutely gold and just how she instructs in these three days like you will walk away with so much knowledge and feeling so empowered in everything that you want to create so I want to give you a little bit of more professional background on her before we dive in so Jess is a former celebrity personal trainer and elementary school teacher and just turned her once cute side hustle into a multi-million dollar business in just 18 months. Yes, you heard that right, 18 months. And since leaving her teaching job in 2017, she's hired an incredible team of heart-centered leaders and just continues to pour into others and grow and expand in the most amazing ways. And she drops so much knowledge on this podcast. I cannot wait for you to dive in. So let's go ahead and get started. human on the daily the podcast for anyone wanting to break free of any boxes or expectations and embrace their full authentic self i am dr megan daly and i have been there i've overcome so much trauma dealt with so many stressors like competing in high level athletics rigorous academics getting my doctor in physical therapy and i did what i should do right i climbed the corporate healthcare ladder and when that didn't make me feel fulfilled i branched out and opened up my own cash clinic and built it to six figures in the second year Yet I still felt like something was off when I looked in the mirror, and maybe you can relate. So I scaled back and really dove into the questions of who am I really, and what is it that I am meant to do? So together in this podcast, we are going to dive into all the tips, tools, and experiences for you to answer those same questions for yourself so you can live your best, most joyful, and fulfilled life. Because if you're not doing that, then what the fuck are you really doing? So let's fucking go. All right, welcome back to another episode of Human on the Daily. I am super excited for today's guest. Y'all have probably seen me share her content if you follow me on Instagram at all. Um, her handle is I am Jessica DeRose, and I had the honor. I met I met you originally at Sam's birthday party, mm-hmm. and we immediately connected over like RV and traveling and dancing and all these other things. And then I was like, Yeah, I'll follow you on social wait, you're like a badass entrepreneur and business coach and <laughs> did this workshop that you're actually about to run again. And I, I don't know if I actually ever told you this. I signed up for your course, not actually knowing what I signed up for. No, like I literally, it was the largest investment I had made at that point. And on like one thing, I had no idea if you remember, you're like, all right, what are you, you guys creating in this course? I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'll just launch my journal in a bigger way. And you're like, um, 
that's not what this is for. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Like, tell me what it is and I'll create something. That's and so then lo funny. and behold, it was like the, the massive like pivot into what I do now because I Wild. created my course break up through break up with burnout from your group course. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'm so grateful yeah. to be here and for Sam's birthday that, you know, we got to meet. Yeah. <laughs> hi, Sam. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Sam. Um, all right. So I know that you started out as a teacher and you had this like kind of unsettling, like I'm meant for more. You built up this fitness and training. Like I, I know you've, you've told the story. It's like this cute side hustle thing that you <laughs> built up and I love the concept of burn the boats, yeah. right? And at the same time, I feel like you and I have had these paths where it's, it's kind of a mix of like burn the boats and like knowing when to take the leap and when to have like not necessarily a safety net that holds you back, yeah. but that kind of mix of yes, burn the boats, but also not to the point where you're like drowning. Mm -hmm. in real time. So I would love for you to chat about like, what does that look like for you? How much do you believe in burn the boats? And, and where's the line for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So just to take everybody back real quick, I started my online business. Like you said, I call it my cute side hustle in 2012. So I'm grandma. Like that was 12 years ago. That was a long time ago <laughs> for this industry. It feels like yesterday. It's weird. <laughs> I know. Kind of. I was like such a different person. But yeah. yeah, 12 years ago, I honestly, I was doing bodybuilding competitions and I had this realization. My coach that I was using for fitness was in Massachusetts, but I lived in New Jersey and she was emailing me my workouts every week and my macros. And I had already been a personal trainer at the time for about 13 years. So I was like, wait a minute, or you know, 10 years, whatever it was, 13 years. And I said... I bet I could just email all my friends from college and high school who live in different cities and towns who want to train with me, but I never have been able to because we don't live in the same area. So I sent an email out to just a bunch of friends. This is literally four, 12 years ago. Yo, you want me to train you? I think I could do it online. And so people were literally writing checks and mailing them to me in like snail mail. And I was emailing them workout programs. And that progressed into ebooks, you know, I was slinging those $79 ebooks and free Facebook groups and paid Facebook groups. And I was blogging weekly, and just throwing spaghetti at a wall. All the while I was a full-time school teacher. So I had a day job and this was like a side hustle to my side hustle to my side hustle. Really, truly, it was just to do two things. One, fulfill a need for me that I felt was unfulfilled as a school teacher because I just loved helping people and love training and I wanted to do more of it while also building myself a community because I felt like I was very misunderstood at school and I did not have a community of like-minded people around me. So I just decided to build it. And simultaneously, the other reason full transparency was because we were living the American dream, completely house poor, paycheck to paycheck. And my $50,000 a year salary was not cutting it. So I wanted to bring in a little bit of extra cash. So now fast forward to 2017, five years of this like cute side hustle, not really thinking it was going to do anything. I think I'm 31 at the time, 30, 31. I had not even known what an entrepreneur was. I came from a family of a lot of doctors and lawyers, and I was a physical therapy doctor at dropout. That's what I went to college for. So I already felt like a failure, but I got introduced to this idea of entrepreneurship thanks to Instagram. And I saw a lot of trainers on Instagram whom we all have followed in the past, like really famous ones or Jillian Michaels, you know, on The Biggest Loser. And I'm like, if she can, why can't I? 
And I just started to play this narrative in my head of like, if she can, why can't I? What does she have that I don't that I don't have? Almost a dumb confidence and like an ignorance is bliss, not knowing what it would take, not knowing that I ha- I knew nothing. I didn't have the skill set. Why would I have like I never went to school for marketing or business, didn't make any logical sense. But I had this burning belly desire to just do something different, do something bigger, do something more. So for me, I did have an aha moment, which we can share. I've shared the story so many times before about the the podcast, right? And I can share it if you want. But for me, I wasn't going to move unless I burned the boats. I wasn't going to move unless I pulled the safety net. But here's the thing, like disclaimer, parentheses, asterisk, I had a safety net. My husband, Mike, had a full-time corporate job and I did have that as a safety net. So while I quit with no plan other than to do what it takes to make ends meet, I literally quit my teenage job. I didn't even finish the school year. I left during our spring break. So April of 2017 was my my last day, April 7th of 2017. And we moved from New Jersey to New York City. And I was just hustling and grinding on this little side hustle that I had had, removing my ego because ego is your biggest overhead, telling myself, I will do whatever it takes. And if I have to go back to working the front desk job at a gym, if I have to go and be a bartender again, a waitress again, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I have to do to make ends meet so that I can build out this dream of what at the time I thought was going to be, I'm going to be the next Jillian Michaels. And I really, truly thought that. So while I burned the boats, I, I didn't really. We had some money in savings. Mike did have his job. I'm very fortunate. My parents are, were and are still alive and able to help if they needed to. Um, we owned a home that we could sell if we needed to. Like There was a lot of things that could happen first before I had nothing. And that's exactly why I quit teaching was because of the podcast episode. Can I tell the story? Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Because it's always such a like goosebumpy story for people. True story. A couple months before I left, October 2016, I was driving to my teaching job, coffee in hand, listening to a podcast. And this man was interviewing a woman. She was a teacher like me. She sold jewelry on Etsy. Oh, by the way, so did I. Because after I dropped out of my doctorate program, I went to fashion school. I've lived a lot of lives. And she wanted to go all in on her jewelry. But like, hello, benefits, pension, summer's off. Like, that's crazy. So he said, if you quit teaching or went on sabbatical for a year and you tried the Etsy jewelry thing and it didn't work out, what would be your worst case scenario? And she said, well, I've been a teacher for a decade. I'll go back and get a different job at a different district. I know I can get a job. It's not a big deal. And his answer changed our entire life. I literally wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for his answer. He said, oh, how does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? Oh my God. It was like bullet through the heart. I pulled the car over. I was hysterical crying. I texted Mike and I said, I can't do this anymore. This is literally October, 2016. Babe, it's not my worst case scenario, but this isn't my best case scenario. I'm like, what am I doing? Two weeks later, I walked into my principal's office and resigned. So that story kept playing in my head over and over. But I always want to be clear with people. Like I I did have a spouse who was supporting me. He could support us financially for three months. If, If I had nothing, if I was bringing in nothing, we would like make it three months but I had a car I could sell. I had a house I could sell. Like there was not, when I started to look at the assets in my life that I did have and what I could scrounge together and the side hustle jobs I could create and take if I was willing to, then it really wasn't burning the boats at all. It was just like, yeah, okay, just a new path. Like I'm not, there's no boats to burn. I can literally go get a job. Right. But it's like, am I willing to do that? Yeah. yeah. I love that so much. And I'm, I'm glad you shared that story because we actually have never talked about this either. I had a very similar thing 
the exact same phrase, but just from a different person on a different mm. like podcast. I actually think it might've been a speaking event, Wow! but it was that same, like with a DPT degree, I literally like, I won't enjoy it, but I could get a job. Yeah. Right. So like you said, it's, it might not be the worst case scenario that I'm currently in, but it sure as hell isn't my best case scenario. And in the intro of this podcast, so every single episode, if you listen to it at the end, I say, if you're not living your life for yourself, to the best of your ability, what the fuck are you even doing? <laughs> right? Like that is what plays in my head. Anytime I come against something where I find myself falling back into the expectations of others or letting my ego drive the bus. And I yeah. love what you said about ego is your biggest overhead. Like that to me, like I immediately wrote it down. Yeah. And I would love to talk a little bit more about like, how has that shown up for you both in the positive and negative? Like when has it kind of taken over and it's been a downfall and you've had mm -hmm. to like come back out of it. And when has that been a something that you have purposely intentionally recognized in real time and how you've done that and to keep it from being your biggest overhead? Yeah. I mean, admittedly, probably similar to some of the listeners, I am a recovering perfectionist, recovering control freak, recovering type A personality. Very much. Yeah. I feel like woman. that just comes with high achieving yeah, woman. Exactly. Like <laughs> exactly. So with that, oh my gosh, where is my ego like come into play where it's gotten me into trouble? There's been so many moments of self-sabotage, the dumbest things too. Like I could, re I could remember moments in high school and college where people are sitting around like, Oh, remember, like, have you seen that movie? And everyone's like, yeah. And even though I hadn't seen it, I'm like, yeah, because my <laughs> ego was so big that I'm like, yep. I can't look stupid. I can't be the only one who didn't see that movie. Like even the tiniest examples like that, I'm like, that was a thread throughout my whole life. It, it still continues mm -hmm. to be. I'll be 40 in April and I'm still working through. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't lie or mislead about watching a movie, but it's like, how many times have I not asked for help or admitted I was wrong or argued to the death, right? Where it's like, I have to be right. I have to do it myself. I have to burn out. Oh my gosh. I've, I've, I've had burnout multiple times, adrenal fatigue, a breast cancer scare, all from the ego. Now on the flip side of that coin, thankfully, you know, sometimes our mess is our message. And thankfully I was smacked over the head with a brick multiple times and at a very young age, I mean, I was 21 or 22, I had been struggling with an eating disorder for 10 years and it had gotten just absolutely out of control. And I walked in and I checked myself into an outpatient program and that outpatient program saved my life. And that was the first time that I recognized like, okay, okay, I can't do this alone. I'm not supposed to do this alone. And when I ask for help, it saves my life. And so that's a moment where at a young age, 22 years old, I had this realization of like, wait a minute, asking for help isn't a weakness. I don't have to know everything and I might need help sometimes. And then that later in life translated in my mid twenties when I was doing, you know, bodybuilding competitions and asking for help and hiring a coach to then expanding my business that I've built and hiring mentors. And I don't have to do this alone. And it's like, every time I've made that time, financial or energetic investment, in saying, I actually don't know, raising my hand, joining a program, investing. It's like all of those things have tenfold helped me grow. And so my favorite thing now, not easy, not easy at all, but my favorite thing is to kind of put my ego aside, check myself and use the word interesting. You know this, because I've talked about mm -hmm. this with you. My favorite word is interesting. And so when something does or does not happen to me or for me, instead of approaching it in a reactive mode, I pause because there's power in the pause. And I just say to myself, okay, well, that's interesting. 
why did that happen? That's interesting. How can I change that moving forward? That's interesting. Why is this triggering me that I didn't get invited to a dinner and I'm 40 years old? Do I like, why is that bothering me? So it, it doesn't have to just be about business. It could be life or the way that I look at myself or a conversation I'm having with someone, but it's like the slowing down, the removing the ego, the checking myself at the door and the really getting curious about mm-hmm. myself is where I've seen so much growth over the years, but my ego still pops up. It's supposed to like, yeah, it's you're supposed human. To keep you safe. Yeah. <laughs> it jumps in all the time. It's like, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> yeah. And I know yeah. you and I, I'm actually almost done with, um, breaking the habit of being yourself oh, so by good. Joe Dispenza. And I know you're a big fan of his too. So like, I love that. It's, I really think that's a huge key is the getting curious and being willing. Like you said, the ego never dies. Yeah. It's always there. It's just, how much are you con- like bringing that subconscious into your conscious awareness and that going from thinking to doing to being mm-hmm. that he talks about, right? So mm-hmm. I, I love that you brought that up. And I know everyone can resonate with that, like sitting in a circle and someone being like, hey, have you seen that movie? Like, we've all done that. Yeah, like, why do we, we lie about something still, like that? <laughs> yeah, like, it might not be like that exact example at now, like I'm about to be 37, but it's, like you can still catch yourself in those moments, right? Yeah. Like no matter what. And it's just the, then I think it's the courageous ability to be like, actually, no, I haven't. Like, even if you immediately said yes, right. then being like, Ooh, you know what? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's embarrassing. It on yourself. Right. Yeah. Like, I and, guess I just didn't want to feel less than for a moment. Like yeah. how silly, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love that. And I know that you just, this was like, maybe yesterday. I don't know. I think you posted it this morning before we jumped on this call about making a mistake in an email that got sent out to thousands. <laughs> and it made me think of a recent dance post that I made even on like making mistakes in the middle of a class. Like when you're in front of the instructor and you're like literally like half the class at least is sitting around watching you and you just yep. completely fumble and the power in shaking it off and not getting reactive. And you talked about, um, calling it what it is, taking action and giving permission to be human. And I think there's so much power in that. What are some tips you have for anyone who's kind of stuck in that like perfectionism, right? Like you have other posts, you say it constantly, like people aren't paying for perfection. Yeah. We don't even like the person that's perfect. So why do we keep trying to reach for that? So mm. what tips do you have for someone who's like stuck in that still? Man, we can riff on this for so long. I spent yeah. much of 2021 <laughs> studying perfectionism. It was like the thing I was obsessed with. Perfectionism is a mask that we wear to cover up how we feel, right? Our insecurities, our our uncertainties, our unknowns. And we use it a lot of times as an excuse because it's way prettier. It's like a really pretty package to say like, I'm just a perfectionist versus I'm scared to take action. So I haven't actually done anything yet, right? So we use perfectionism to procrastinate. And we do it because we haven't done it before. So whatever it is, going live on Instagram or you know, breaking up with the significant other that you know is toxic for you, whatever it is, the fear of not having done it before is what holds us back. And so when we can rewire and frame the way that we look at these things as, well, yeah, you silly Billy, if you've never done it before, <laughs> you're not going to feel confident in it. But the only way that you can feel confident is through repetition. You literally cannot feel confident or ready. I say ready in quotes because people use that word all the time. I'm not ready. The only way you ever feel ready is when you've done it before. So by nature, we have to take action in order to feel ready. And it reminds me of back in the day, I was a bartender and a waitress for so many years. 
And there were a lot of restaurants and bars I would walk into at the very beginning. And I remember them saying like, well, we don't hire anyone without experience. And I'm like, okay, well, eight for eight strikeouts. Like, how am I going to get experience if y'all don't hire until I get experience? Like, this doesn't make sense to me. And that's what perfectionism procrastination is. It's like, well, you're silly. How are you going to get experience if you don't actually try it? So we use the ABC method, right? Action breeds confidence. It also breeds clarity. You only know that you don't like olives after you taste olives. You can't just make the assumption about it. I mean, you can, but come on, that's not really fair. We all know what assumptions are, right? (laughs) So with the perfectionism thing, it's stopping and pausing and asking yourself like, okay, is this something that I was born with that it's like this genetic mutation that I'm this awful perfectionist and so it has to be like this my whole life? Or am I actually just a little bit nervous and scared and I'm hiding behind the fact that I can continue procrastinating something and by procrastinating and calling myself a perfectionist, I now don't have to take action on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Someone just felt super called out listening to this. <laughs> Myself Guaranteed. included. Like, don't yeah, think I don't saying. do it. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. I feel like that's like the hidden thing that no one talks about enough is until you maybe get into the entrepreneur world, but I didn't really hear it prior to that. Like, no one really knows what they're doing. Oh, really? Well, like, we're just kind of stumbling and trying things and fi- like feeling what's aligned and and it's why we ha- like hire coaches, right? Like I'm circling back to something that you mentioned earlier of like, we aren't meant to do this alone. Like even me, yes, I coach people through all those limiting blocks and, and everything to like take the action and gain the confidence to act in the face of uncertainty. And I still need some other like coaches to help me do the same, right? Something that I love saying is you can't read the label from inside the bottle. Right. And you as a human you are like the Coke bottle or whatever you just envisioned. And it's really tough for you to see the label. Like you need coaches to help guide you along that path. And uncertainty is scary, right? Like there's no denying, you don't really get rid of the fear. You just get confident enough to act in spite of the fear. Mm -hmm. And one of the most terrifying and smartest things that I have ever done was following your lead in your group course (laughs) on (laughs) selling before creating. Oh, before creating. Yeah. Yes. And I'm so glad you did. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> and what's hilarious is now like I'm I'm working on expanding the course that I built and even with the one-on-ones that I do now, like I have taken that same concept and done it with every single other thing even though it's still like the fear hasn't gone away, right? Like I've now done it. So it doesn't feel quite as scary. Because again, that like ready is a lie. You only feel ready once you've done it. So like, it's like, okay, yeah. I know, like I survived the last time. Like I'll be good. Keep trudging forward. And so anyone who's like, wait, what are they talking about? So in Jess's course, you, yes, it's intended to create this group course and they strongly suggest slash make you <laughs> <laughs> sell it before you even create the thing. So I actually sold this group course. I think I had I started creating it with the first person, but I immediately had a second person like very quickly thereafter join. So I really, Mm -hmm. I probably had like three people in my course before I was actually creating it. And then it's, it was a 12 week group course. So even some of the content from the last few weeks, I was still creating it as I was running the first few weeks. The beauty in that was I could pivot and rearrange things as I needed based on what I was finding out in real time from the people that I was serving. Say so louder for the I, people in the back. <laughs> yeah. I 
I would love you to speak a little bit on one, like pitch the hell out of your course. Like I, it was so transformational for me. Thank you. Um, and I know it has been for so many other people. And like, how did that particular concept come about and why does it work so damn well? Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. And I'm so grateful for you. Um, so we do, we teach this idea of monetize before you make it cash in before you create it, whatever cool thing you want to say. It's essentially the same concept as Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Like it's not a new concept. It's the exact same concept of prototyping. Put an idea or an offer or a prototype out into the market, see how it does, take the feedback from what people say, and then tweak and iterate based on that. So even if you strip it down and you look at the iPhone from Apple, they did not wait for the version we have today, whatever Apple 16, iPhone 16 or something, like however long ago it was, 10, 15 years ago, they didn't wait for 10 or 15 years to put out version 16 as version one. They just put version one out. And then it was like, ooh, there's bugs. Let's fix it. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if let's change that? Let's add this. Let's delete that. And so every year or two, they come out with a new phone because they're just constantly taking feedback from the market. So the way that this actually came about for me when I had this light bulb moment, I told you I was in fashion for a while, in between dropping out of my doctorate program and then when I was in fashion school, I was also still working full-time as a personal trainer. And I was going out a lot and I was bartending and waitressing and I wear a lot of my own clothing and accessories. I just, I always have, I've always made my own clothing and accessories. And people would always ask me, where'd you get that? And I would tell them I made it. And then they said, they would say, oh, you should sell that. And I'm like, no, that's not like a thing. I just make my own clothing. But when enough people had said it, I had this idea of like, well, let me just see. So shout out to Spa 23 in Pompton in New Jersey. This was the gym that I worked at for like a decade. They were kind enough to let me set up a booth, like a little table at a holiday fair in the lobby for, it was either like Christmas or Valentine's Day. So I took five of my purses that I made and I put them on a table and I made little business cards on custom ink or something. They were so cheesy. And I asked my mom to sit with me and we sat all day and we took orders because I didn't have inventory. So we took orders from people and they'd say, I like that purse, but can you make it in pink? I like that one, Can I? but can I have it in the smaller size? And by the end of the day, we had done about $5,000 of orders. And I was like, what? This is crazy. So I then decided to apply for fashion school, ended up going to FIT in New York City, yada, yada, yada. But when I was doing my online business stuff, I remembered that idea of, well, I didn't make all the purses and spend all of my money on fabric and all of my time sewing in the basement before I sold them. I went with five prototypes that were literally mine. People told me what they wanted. I wrote them down and I started making orders. So I took that same exact concept into business. And it was like, why am I going to film 50 videos, edit a 75 page PDF book, spend time, money, and potentially, or potentially money and energy on Canva and doing all these things when I don't even know if people want it. Well, let me just sell the offer. Let me sell the idea. Let me sell the concept like we do with Kickstarter. And if even one person says yes, then I'll go and create it. And like you said, I'll leverage the experience that they're having, the questions that they're having, the speed that they actually need to go in and the direction that they actually need to go in. Because me as the expert who's one or two steps ahead of them, while I might think the best thing to do is teach ABD, 
Well, they're like, hello, you missed C. And I didn't realize that because it's just innate. I just know it. So that's where that concept first came in, which, you know, was, I don't know, 2007, 2008. It was a really long time ago. Uh, but that's what I've brought into my business today. And now most coaches teach that. If, if you look around on the internet, most coaches are telling you, at least the mm-hmm. ones that do it in a way that I think is is best fit, right? To minimize the amount of time, energy, and potentially money that you're spending on something. And the amount of times I talked to people, I had a call yesterday with a girl for our elite mastermind. She's like, I have seven courses that I've built over the years and I have 13 eBooks and she pulled one out and it's like 150 pages and no one's bought anything ever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why do you have seven courses that nobody's bought? Like, why do you just keep creating things that nobody's purchased? Stop creating things. Like we have to figure out what's what's going on here. There's a market message mismatch that's going on, right? And we and we yep. have to figure that out. Yeah. And and I'll even double down on like pitching your course, which I know at the beginning I said it's like the biggest investment I I had ever made. And that's true. And like I want the listeners to hear me when I say I made my investment back plus some by the end of this course. And it now I like look back at like what the investment is. I was like, that's really not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's really nothing. Um, when you were talking about like the Kickstarter and how this all plays in, it kind of dawned on me, like you're almost creating some of the certainty, right? Like the fear of uncertainty. When you sell the idea before creating the thing, now you have certainty that people want it before Absolutely. you spend the time to create it. So you're creating that certainty, which I love. And something that you really break down so beautifully in your course And I mean, I've used this so often where it's right. Like it's innate to us. What we're really good at doing, we might not be the best at teaching and Mm -hmm. vice versa. So when you're creating this course or like whatever it is that you're wanting to bring into the universe, it's really easy for us to like, Hey, I know what you need, but that's not what people buy. They buy what they want. Yeah. And so I love your like, like you have Island A and Island B and you keep trying to sell the plane that gets you there, which is what they need versus selling what they want and then incorporating what they actually need within it. Yeah. Yeah. And an example of that, a lot of coaches do, and I fall into this trap as well. The airplane that gets them from A to B generally is your course, your program, your mastermind, your ebook, your retreat. And so you talk about it like it's the be all end all. And then we, because of our egos, pour all of the deliverables in. And so we come on and we start talking about how there's 150 pages in the workbook and there's 75,000 yeah, no calls. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> like I just want to get to Island B, you know, it's like, yeah. we want that instant gratification to get me to my desired result and remove my current pain. Yeah. I don't know why this just came to my mind, but it's honestly like, for me, it's also similar to like when I'm doing a, a lifting workout, like my fiance will be like, oh yeah, it's a total of this number of pounds that you're lifting this many reps through the whole workout. I'm like, I don't want to know that. Just let me focus on the next rep. Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) Okay. One thing that I love about you is that you always keep it so real. Y'all, if you follow her on Instagram, you know, like when she brings up a spicy, like the pepper emoji (laughs) and spicy just happens. Um, and there was something you posted recently, this kind of goes back to like the transparency in entrepreneurship and, and the fact that no, no one has it all together. And you put a post out about profit margins over vanity metrics. And I loved it so much because it almost, it drives me bonkers. How (laughs) often I see people say like, Oh, I had a hundred thousand dollar day. I'm like, Cool, yeah, but how much of that was profit? Like there's yeah. this this kind of mask of like, ooh, look at me, shiny object syndrome, whether mm-hmm. it's the money or the number of followers on Instagram and how that's 
really not what matters. And it's also not as simple as like leaving corporate and and becoming an entrepreneur and being able to work like the four hour days. Right. Like, so I know that's a lot that I just spilled out. And so wherever you want to go with that, like whatever that just brought up, like bring out spicy Jess. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. We've, I've always been super transparent on social media, whether it's talking Mm -hmm. about, um, my ectopic pregnancy or a miscarriage I just had, or it's talking about the fact that our revenue actually went backwards after, oh my gosh, it actually didn't grow one year. Um, We've always been really, really transparent just as a company. I think it's very important, especially because it's noisy. It's noisy out there. Everybody's social media. And it's one of the reasons that I bought into you without actually knowing what the course was. I was like, (laughs) well, she's legit. (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, It's gotten noisier as the years have gone on Mm -hmm. while we've had social media. And here's the thing with saturation. I don't want to go on a tangent, but people will often say like, I don't want to get into coaching or digital marketing because of saturation. Saturation is not the problem. There's 8 billion people on the planet. But what saturation does cause is innovation and sophistication, meaning you need to out-sophisticate the market. Unfortunately, it's not the best coach or service provider who wins. It's the best marketer who wins. Yep. And there are people who see that and lean into that and run with that, whether they are or are not in integrity. So this is not a conversation about integrity because there are definitely integral people who make posts about revenue, not realizing that without context, that's actually meaningless, but they might not know that. So that's okay. That's that's not their fault, right? Mm-hmm. I think I lived in that world at one time too. Here's the thing, like you said, okay, cool. You had a hundred thousand dollar day, but how much did it cost you? And it's not just, did you run $110,000 worth of ads? Because if you did, you're actually in the red $10,000. So this is far, but impressive, but what else did it cost you? Have you burned all your bridges and relationships with all your loved ones? Are you dealing with adrenal fatigue? Are you miserable in your life? Are you working 17 hours a day? Like at what cost did that come for that, you know, big, sexy, shiny $100,000 day? With the conversation of um, profit margins over vanity metrics and vulnerability and transparency, I just feel as a leader, whether my following is large or small, I'm leading myself and I'm leading at least one other person that's watching, right? Even if they're a passive engager in the background instead of an active engager in the front, it is my responsibility to share the truth. And when you have a solution to a problem, it's also your responsibility to share that. Otherwise, you're robbing people of the opportunity for transformation. So the way that I see it is if I'm not being 100% truthful or sharing the context of what it is that I'm sharing, then I'm not living up to my my responsibility, right? And, And that's not what I'm here for. So I understand how sexy it is to share some of the revenue things, right? And we've had really big numbers and we've had really big launches and it's been really impressive. And in the same breath, we had a launch, like a baby launch of a tiny little offer back in November for Black Friday that the team slapped together. We sold one unit, one. That's like not normal or okay or baseline or anything for our company. I have no issue sharing that with people because it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately with social media, because it is a highlight reel as it should be, right? You're promoting your business. A lot of people think that you get to a place in your business or your life where all of a sudden that stuff doesn't happen anymore. And the thing that really, really triggers me that I've been working on for years, like this is the trauma work I've been doing, is when I literally know people in real life who are not 
what they say or who they are online. And when they're out of integrity of the sharing of the how, right? When they share the how mm-hmm. they did it, but that's not actually how they did it, or they're sharing the numbers, but the numbers are skewed or they're not sharing full context, or they did hit those numbers, but at the cost of their health and relationships, right? Yeah. That's the part that I personally really struggle with. And because I've been in this industry for so long, I do personally know a lot of situations in my real life where I'm like, but that's not the truth. And mm-hmm. I've been learning with myself with numerology and astrology and human design. I am not okay with injustice. Like injustice gets under me mm-hmm. to a point where I sabotage myself. And so I will go down into a spiral because I literally cannot show up when I'm that angry or resentful that somebody else is cheating, even though they're not. It's just the rules that I created in my head. They're not following the rules in my head, which is what we do as humans. So it's like that they're not actually cheating. It has nothing to do with it being fair. But the rules that I wrote in my head, they're breaking those rules. And then especially if they're seeing a result, like an external result, like revenue, I'm like, what? This is, there's an injustice. They're not doing it right right is in quotes, because that's not a real mm-hmm. thing. It's subjective, but like, they're not doing it right. And they're quote unquote winning and I'm doing it right. And it's, and it's so much harder. It's so much heavier. It's not as easy. And so I get very yeah. upset <laughs> and I've been working yeah. on that. <laughs> no, I totally, I yeah. resonate with that probably more deeply <laughs> than you even realize. Like, I, I think even sharing that is important yeah. because so many people are like, oh my God, I feel that too. And it's like, well, yes. why aren't we all talking about it? <laughs> exactly. There's, I mean, we could go off on so many tangents on how more things need to be talked about and shared. So less people feel alone in their yeah. feelings. Um, and I do think it is so important to, to know yourself really, like, like you said, like diving into human design and all these things to be able to recognize where you are placing expectations on others, right? Like this entire podcast got started because I wanted to help people break free of expectations from others. And we do place expectations on others ourselves, right? Yeah. And so being able to more readily recognize where we're doing that, because as you pointed out, it only leads to self-sabotage. Like it's not serving you to allow that to like create this stress in your mind versus like, you know what? I'm also working on this. And so what I have to keep (laughs) reminding myself is like, you know what? Yes, they might be out of like what I consider integritous or quote unquote, right. I love that you brought that up, right? Like right, wrong, fair. Those are all very subjective terms that we are taught are more black and white than they really are. Yeah. And like, I have to remind myself like, okay, I can feel the energy behind what they're posting and it's not a match for mine. So just let them do their thing and I'll do my thing and stay. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Did you ever read expectation hangover by Christine Hassler? No, but I actually just came across it the other day. It got recommended to me. It's so good. I, it's one of my favorite books because for me, at least when I read it a couple of years back, probably about five years ago, it's a simple concept, right? But it's this idea that expectations are promises that are broken that were never made. An expectation is a promise either yep. to yourself or to other people that like, it wasn't actually, we didn't sign seal and deliver that. Like we didn't handshake yep. on that. You just created that in your head and then it didn't live up to it. And I honestly, I'm convinced that it's the thing that creates the most problems in the world. Totally. Like, because we create these expectations and then they're not communicated and people act based on expectations and it just snowballs 
into this thing that didn't need to be a thing. And mm-hmm. then on top of it, I've talked on this podcast before about how like breaking promises to yourself, even little micro promises is so detrimental to not only yourself, but everyone around you because then it shifts your energy. Yeah. So I will oh, definitely link that. I'll, I'll link the book in the show notes as well as obviously I'm going to link your course. Um, and I'm going to circle back to what do you say to the person like that feels like they need more certifications or knowledge before <laughs> starting or before jumping into your course, right? Like maybe they have this idea and they feel inspired, like they come to your free workshop, which y'all like if nothing else, go to the link that I'm going to put in the show notes and make sure that you're signed up for the masterclass that she runs. It's amazing. Like you'll get multiple insights just from that and it's completely free. So what have you got to lose? (laughs) And like, say that there's someone who is intrigued and they want to come and they have this idea, but they don't feel like they have the knowledge or the certifications or the letters behind their name or or whatever it is that is they're allowing to create a block in their mind. Like, what do you say to that person? Yeah. There's circumstance and there's excuse, right? Like there's reality and there's perception that you create. So there are things that might very well be true. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you delivered a baby yesterday, you're correct. It might not be the best time for you to build a business right now, right? Or to join a (laughs) course right now. Like that is the reality. That is the circumstance. But also if it's something where it's kind of the, I don't have enough followers. I need more certifications. I'm not sure that I know enough. Am I really far enough ahead? Will people think I'm an expert? All of those things likely go back to the beginning of the conversation. That is a little bit of the perfectionist stuff coming in. It's a mask that you're putting on so that maybe you don't have to take the big scary action. All that to say, we do not advocate for people serving up courses and coaching programs outside of their legal scope of practice. Now, this is where it gets a little funky because there are a lot of things that people teach. For example, we have a lot of clients that do dog grooming, dog training, feng shui, home organizing, um, planning, goal setting, like the most obscure how to build a herd birdhouse. Those things might not actually have certifications, but when you're in something like yourself, physical therapy, personal training, registered dietitian, these things do require certain schooling and certifications. So you always should stay within your legal scope of practice and... The building the business part takes a really long time and there's seeds that need to be planted and there's systems and structure that has to happen on the back end. So here's my thought process. If you do need to get a certification, whether it's to make you feel better or to keep you inside your scope of practice legally, start building the business today while you're getting the certification on the back end in your other time that you have. Because here's the thing, not to overwhelm you, but whether it's setting yourself up legally or your finances where you have a business bank account, starting a social media platform, starting to put out content, do that market research, get feedback from people, start to flex the muscle of consistency with content creation, understand how to do messaging, marketing. Like these are things that take time. And oh, by the way, they're not a destination. You will never end at messaging. Like there's no destination. You're not done with messaging. You're never done with client research. If you are, your business is going to plateau or plummet. It's a constantly evolving thing because you, your business and your clients are constantly evolving. So you have to remember that because people sometimes think like, check, I did it. I don't have to do it again. And that's the biggest mistake that you can make. Mm -hmm. You're always going back to the drawing board. Every time we get ready for DBE live, which is the the free experience you were just talking about, 
we go back to the basic messaging. We've been doing this thing for six years and we'll go, okay, has the ideal client changed? Has their pain or their pleasure point changed? How are we going to talk about it? How has technology changed? Let's go back to the drawing board every single time. Yeah. Experts do the basics well. And over and over and over. That's the key. It's, It's the doing the boring thing. And I do get a little spicy, as you said, when people make comments like, you know, I'm bored in my business, or this isn't exciting, or this content isn't doing it for me anymore. Like I need to be lit up. And this is where I struggle because your business is not meant to entertain you. Your business is meant to help people and make money. And if your business isn't making money, it's not a business. It might be a hobby and there's nothing wrong with that, but your business is not built to entertain you. That's what hobbies are for. That's what Netflix is for. That's what books are for. So check yourself. And your business Mm -hmm. is not about you. It's about other people. You should be excited about your purpose. So don't, don't misunderstand. Like, I love what I do. I'm excited about my purpose. But if you think that I am jumping up out of bed every single day, excited to even be on hours of Zoom calls or creating content or writing an email or being on a team meeting, you're, you're kidding yourself. Like I've been doing this consistently for 12 years. There's barely been a day that I've missed creating content in 12 years. Like it is not the be all end all of my day every day, but the idea of what it is doing and who it's for and what might happen if somebody, the right person in the right moment comes across it and has an aha moment, that's what I can get behind. So me teaching your niche is like, no, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. I've taught it 7,000 times, but the person who receives it and finally clicks or they finally realize it's not that scary and they can actually just yeah. take action. I'm like, that I can get behind. That I can yep. get behind. Yeah. I love that you just, it's like the reframe that I feel like a lot of people need it is like, yes, you're lit up and there is still the like grunge, consistent, like not sexy, not fun work that comes along that. And you can't like, just because you're lit up about the, the purpose or the outcome that you help people have, doesn't suddenly make you lit up about every aspect of it. Yeah. And if you're expecting to be lit up about every aspect, you're you're going to be let down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And but it's no different than working to, out. It's like you could be so yes. excited to hit a PR on a deadlift, but like you still need to warm up. up. <laughs> yeah. People assume that I love working out every day just because I'm fit. I'm like, no. Of course like, not. Sure. There's days where I'm like jazzed about it, but there's also plenty of days where I'm like, okay, get your shoes on, just yep. drive to the gym. Okay, just get through the warm up set. Like literally, that is what goes through my head. And it's yeah. the same with entrepreneurship. I think entrepreneurship, like you're basically signing up to be a forever student. 100%. Like you said, it's just you get to shift what you're studying as you go along, right? Like, can I, can I leave you with a big mistake though? Because this is a huge yeah. mistake I see people make when, and I'm doing this in quotes, when it doesn't work. Okay. It just didn't meet your expectations because your expectations equal your experience. So you created a story in your head that it was supposed to look like 150 likes or 10 signups or three people paying. You created that story, right? When it doesn't work, you pivot, cut it out. That is the worst strategy in the world. You don't pivot because it didn't work. That's the equivalent of you quitting because it didn't work. Like that's literally what it is. If you pivot and you jump ship and you all of a sudden change your niche or throw your messaging out, or you're going to start a different business because it didn't work, you are going to perpetually be in the same boat of it not working. Because here's the thing, you didn't take the time to learn the lesson. I believe you don't have the ability, you don't get the quote unquote right to pivot if you didn't learn the lesson. So here's where I stand with this. Do it again 
sit with it, look at the data, check the metrics, don't make too many changes. Cause if you make changes, you can't actually compare it to itself, right? Do it again, do it again, do it again, make it work. And then once it has started working, take that blueprint that did work. And now if you want to go slightly evolve or pivot, plug the blueprint that does work into the new thing, rather than yes. just throwing the baby out with the bathwater every single time. <laughs> like what? I love that you clarified that because that's what I meant by shift, but you, you nailed it a lot better <laughs> oh, versus, um, and actually on that, I, it's like you're a mind reader. That was like on my list of things to ask you anyways, was how does someone know? Right. Like I have, I have my own answer for this, but I I would love to hear yours of when someone does the thing and they're Mm -hmm. like, yes, this is it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of falls flat. How to know when it's like, okay, just keep pushing forward. Yeah. Versus maybe this isn't the thing. Right. Cause I I feel like that's where a lot of people get stuck. Yeah. And I feel like it's almost a trendy topic for the last couple of years as people talk about like alignment and discernment and all that. So the, First thing I would say is the better you know yourself, the easier this decision will become. Because that really is what it is. It's a journey of self-exploration and understanding yourself. And it's the awareness. It's self-awareness is key. So when you can become aware of yourself, and this is why I love Dr. Joe Dispenza so much in his work, but when you can become aware of yourself, you can stop and pause. I can't say this enough. I've said it a hundred times on the podcast already. There's power in the pause, she says, as she's talking a million miles a minute, (laughs) but there's power in the pause. So when you're coming up to a moment, a fork in the road, and you go, this didn't feel the way that I thought it would. Maybe it did work or it didn't work. I I don't know if I should go in a slightly different direction. Is it time to throw in the towel? The snap judgment decision that you make is not the one that you necessarily want to go with. It's let me stop and pause. Let me ask myself questions. Let me be the scientist of my life. Let me put those that magnifying glass on and let me say, interesting, why am I feeling this way? Am I allowing the external result that did or did not happen dictate how I feel? Because if I am, well, that that, that gets thrown out. Is this because the process of me doing it didn't feel aligned? Is it because I didn't give my, myself enough space? Was it the expectations that I put on myself? Am I comparing myself to other people? Have I not taken my blinders off? Am I actually doing this thing because other people are doing it? And when I think about it, It's not actually something that I want at all. I'm blindly following somebody else's goals on the internet because I thought that I should have a podcast or a YouTube channel or speak on stages or have a membership. So it's really just stopping and asking yourself all these questions. And then when when you can be really honest with yourself, I would say nine out of 10 times, we're actually not ready to just throw in the towel. It's like, oh, well, yeah, I just was exhausted because I didn't give myself a break because I was so stupid to like have a full calendar the day after my cart closed. Next time I can just not do that. Like, let me clear my calendar next time and see how that feels. Let me prioritize Mm -hmm. my health and my sleep and my conversations. Let me, right. So it's like, hold on before I just jump ship. I, I put so much time, work, energy, money into this thing. Maybe I just give it a second shot or a third shot or a fourth shot. You know, I love that. And you, you and I basically have the same answer for this. And it's stripping away the expectations of others, like right, like taking that pause and like, okay, where am I putting expectations of others on this? And where am I putting expectations on myself for it? Where yeah. am I caring too much about the outcome versus staying true to what I, true to myself and just trusting? Like, I love that you brought it to, I think there's such power in coming back to okay, where can I deepen my self-awareness and my self-knowledge and my self-trust? 
Yeah. And then does this feel right? Okay, cool. Keep pushing forward versus like, all right, let's pivot. Cause I think all too often I see people get stuck in, Hey, I have this idea. I want to create this. Okay. How's everyone else doing it? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I'll go do that. No. Like what feels true to you? Trust yourself. But I think we also put too much trust a lot of times into external things, not just other coaches yes. and entrepreneurs, but even things like, and you, you know, don't hate me for this. I'm all for it. But like the Oracle cards and the crystals and the sign from the, you know, the, the sign from the Anything universe can be a guide, but it's yeah. not a, yeah. Like, again, like don't put blinders on and be like, okay, cool. This is the thing. Let me, yeah. no one else is going to give you the action that you need to take. No one else has the answers. The more that this has been a, a giant learning process for me in the last <laughs> couple of years is stop looking for external answers. Like you yeah. already have them. And you're going to get off path if you keep looking externally for them. Here's the thing though, when we look internally, this is my my opinion, mm-hmm. my belief. I think when we look internally and we find that self-trust and we hear our intuition or our gut and we make the decision that is inside of us, if it is the quote unquote wrong decision, which we both know can't be true, but if it is the wrong decision, then the only person to blame is yourself. And mm-hmm. so it's much easier, I think, for us to look externally, because even if it's a subconscious blame, oh, yeah. it's like, well, the, pe- the pendulum swung this way. 100%. You That's know, you're exactly like, well, that coach, look for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, that coach told me to do it that way, even if it's subconscious. So then we don't have to take on the responsibility or blame, but the real, the real work, it's like, I don't, I, I think it takes lifetime. I don't know that we ever even learned this throughout your singular life, but the real work is being able to slow down get quiet so that you can hear your own intuition or hear your own gut instinct. Yes. And then listen to that because we do have all the answers inside of us and allow that to be your guide versus the, you know, the crystal and the Oracle deck and the sage and the person and the coach and the book. And that's hard to do. (laughs) Exactly. Hard to do. Yes. I 100% agree. And it's this, that was really like the learning for me, like what I had to figure out was I was trying to like grasp, right? Mm-hmm. Like first, like way back in the day, it was like grasping at all the new certifications, like that'll be the thing. And then it was grasping at coaches, like they'll have the answers for me. And now it's like, no, like it's what I say to people that I work with all the time. And I know you agree, like I'm your guide, not your guru. Yep. Like I can help. And you do this. You did this for me with creating the group course. I do this with my clients all the time with releasing blocks. And it's, allowing them to see through the fog that they've created in their mind with like the ego voice and the expectation voice and your mom's voice and like all these different things that you have going on inside. It can get really confusing to figure out what's your intuition. Like you can have a guide, but no one else has the answers for you. And I think that's the key for anything. Huh? (laughs) It's so scary though. You know, it is like terrifying. Like you said, it is easier to look for external, 100%. 100%. It will never not be easier to look external. And but we even do that with easier doesn't. It's like you put an outfit on and you ask your friend or your significant other, you're like, does this look good? It's like, well, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Taking the time, that power and the pause, whatever you need to do to really know, like, who am I? What do I want? What do I think? Yeah. Like, that's really. It's simple, but it sure as hell isn't easy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I had a little ego shamanic death back in 2020 to 2021, which I think a lot of people did. I saw the world as like a snow globe and all the snow had been settled for many, many years. And with 2020, it got shaken, shooken, shook. Um, it got okay. turned upside down. It got turned upside <laughs> yeah. down. And all the snow started going everywhere. And all, all the people started to question, right? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Is this my purpose? Do I even like my job? Do I like my spouse? Oh my God, what's happening? So Mike and I left New York City, got the RV, did the whole thing, year and a half. And it was when I left New York, mind you, I had already been meditating daily at the time for about seven years consistently. When I left New York City and we lived in the RV, it was like the first time in my whatever 37 years that I actually heard my own voice in my head. And I didn't necessarily like what I was hearing. And throughout 2021 for me, life in the RV, the biggest lesson that I gained from it, Mike, as well, was starting to really create a sense of relationship with myself. And I'm a person who loves to be alone. I'm 150% empath. Seven of my nine channels are completely open. I feel everything. I love my alone time. Definitely an extrovert, but I prefer to be alone when I need to like recharge. And I had been alone a lot. And I had been alone in my head every single morning for almost a decade doing these meditations. And it was like, how is it now that I'm only actually hearing myself and actually tapping into my intuition and finding a place where like, it's actually speaking to me because there was so much noise pollution, light pollution, energy mm -hmm. pollution in my previous life. And that kind of hustle and grind, go, go, go mentality, get out of my way. I'm going to like elbow you. If you've ever walked through New York, that's literally who I was still am still am. Right. And, and my, my evidence of what has worked in the past was that push hard, hustle hard, long hours, do it, go put yourself in the room, raise your hand, ask for what you need, and it will give you results. And it always has, but yep. at what cost? And so the last few years for me has been a lot of like unlearning of that. And I'm still a huge advocate for hard work. I am very yes. against the anti-hustle culture. I hate it. I think there. I think it's doing everybody a disservice. Oh yeah, I want to do an entire on the internet is on, like, like hustle disgusting. versus yeah. grace culture and yeah. extremes never work. Like, why no. do people keep pendulum swinging to one of the extremes? Like, because that's what we do. Yes, that's hustle what we do. and don't burn out. Right, like right yes. the edges, but don't tip over the edge. Correct. And also, <laughs> like, what is what, what works for you? Yes. Like I, I don't mind working. Every like I love working for me, six, seven hour workday is like not that doesn't feel bad or hard. I don't desire to have a two hour work day or a four hour work week. Like that's not what I want. Mike and I don't do date nights. <gasps> like it doesn't work for us, you know? It's like we're good. We've been married. We've been together 12 years. Like we work in the business together. We rarely ever get into a fight or a disagreement. And this is what works for us. So just because that book or that podcast said we had yeah, to do you're date not, nights. not connecting just because Correct. you don't do date nights. Yeah. And that's, like maybe I think we do that's them where in another the way. Get the difference. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the same thing as like, this is the millionaire morning. And if you do it out of order, you're not going to be a millionaire. And it's like, mm, nah. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's how you did it. And yeah. that's what worked for you. And that's great. Take what you want, leave the rest. Yep. I think that like that phrase alone, if people could just remind themselves of that all the time, like take what you want and leave the rest. Yeah. It would let go of so many issues and so much stress that people have built up in their head, trying to yep. check all the boxes that who even created these boxes, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. You and I could talk for, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I'm going to have to drop. I have another podcast, but like, I don't want to go. <laughs> all right. Really quick. Just a yeah. few rapid fire questions. And then if you're listening, please, please, please go check out the show notes and make sure that you sign, sign up for DBE live. Um, okay. <laughs> Favorite place traveled? 
Uh, I know. I know. Greece. Okay. Which was just last year, right? Yeah. But also like Australia, but that was because the experience I lived there for nine months and it was just like so fabulous. I'm well aware of how hard that question is because it's so different depending on what the travel is for. But then I'm like, Africa is literally like the best thing ever. I don't know. I can't. Oh, you and I need to chat about Africa. I plead the fifth. (laughs) I I love Australia. I lived there briefly. Did you? This is on the list. Yeah. I lived, Sydney was my last clinical rotation. Stop. I lived in Newcastle, an hour north of Sydney, but Uh, I traveled the whole country. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Um, If you had a magic wand and you could wave it in, every human in the world would learn one lesson. What would it be? Compassion. Oh, yes. I love that answer. Yeah. All right. What's one nostalgic thing? It can be food, toy, place, whatever that takes you right back to childhood. Gymnastics. Ooh. everything about it. Like I can smell yep. chalk, like the, you know, the chalk that you put <laughs> yep. on your hands. Yes. Um, yeah, just there's, there's sounds, there's sense, there's things. I mean, I spent my entire life. I was there, you know, 20, 30, 40 hours a week for 15 years or whatever, but yeah. Ah, I love that. I'm obsessed with like, you can't have me not watch like Olympics the competitions yeah, and get yeah. out of here. It's about, it's yeah, literally, like, the I best. don't know. No one talked to me during that time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's one thing that we haven't talked about yet that brings you joy? It can be anything. Mm. I mean, you you glazed over it just in a common similarity, but for me, dancing and mm, yeah. um, I will say art, but in art, I specifically mean like making jewelry and clothing and like, yeah. I just, yeah, that's my, those are two like huge hobbies and passions that make me feel alive. Yeah. And I love, before I wrap up right here, I love that you right? Like I'm constantly preaching, like take time for the things that bring you joy. And you have, like, you have prioritized the dancing. I constantly see like every now and then you drop jewelry making and whatnot. Like you still prioritize, like, yes, you hustle. And again, like you're not tipping over that edge. You're allowing that energy, that space, that time for the things that bring you joy. Yeah. Just, it has been amazing. You're the best. I cannot wait to catch up soon hell like you're gonna be in scottsdale so i know we'll make it work um yeah definitely go check out the show notes thank you so so much for spending some time with us today it really means the world thank you so much for having me i love you all right love you too catch y'all later high five for taking some time out of your day for yourself to listen to this episode It is my hope that it makes you feel more seen and heard and understood because we are all human and being human is messy and imperfect and beautiful and you are beautiful. So if this resonated, it would mean the world to me if you shared it on social along with your biggest takeaway and then tag me at moveonthedaily and at human.onthedaily. Thank you so much and see you next time.